Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participation restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Talk of the Tune, a Newcastle United podcast. My name is Will and as usual, I'm joined by my good pals and co-hosts, Hodgy and Gray. Yeah, are you right, lads? Hello. Very good. How are you? Are you well? <laughs> Living a fucking dream as usual. Um, trying not to melt in this fucking heat wave. Got up to like 40 degrees down in yeah, London. Yeah, but somehow managed to survive it. I think I just lay in a cold, dark room for a very long time. <laughs> Affected productivity massively. What did the temperature peak at in Newcastle this week? I think it was 38. Shit, that's like fucking Sahara Desert for Newcastle. It's it was, like, yeah, it's hot. I think the good thing is, at least in Newcastle, you've got like some semblance of like a breeze or a coastline. You've got some kind of wind, whereas down here, it's just like, nope, fuck you, no wind. You're not surrounded by like twenty-story buildings, which just reflect well, exactly. even more and things like that. So, exactly, yeah, we're quite quite lucky. Yeah, it was insane. We had to work from home on what was it Tuesday because like the tube was just down, trains were down. If you went on the tube, you just died. Fucking horrendous, but but yeah. Apart from that, all G. Obviously, you've got some exciting, uh, exciting updates on my Austria trip, which is going to be <laughs> fun to talk about. But before we get into all of that, Hodgy, what's your favourite ever holiday? Your favourite ever holiday? Oh man! Don't um, need to go into the details of the holiday; just the country or the location. Went to actually, I, I would say a trip to Australia was pretty cool. Great, and me and a couple of other people went. And travelled from from Sydney, opened a fucking little mini bus van thing, and it was uh, I was good fun. Lots was consumed. Yeah, was there one problem there that you had breaking John Sim with you? <laughs> <laughs> Just John Sim. He doesn't listen to this. I don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout out Breaky. Uh, Gray, same question to you. What's your favourite ever holiday location? I'd probably say Australia as well. Oh, come on, be a bit fucking different. No, no. Although I, I, I did go to the... don't say Cornwall. <laughs> uh, it would either have to be the Bahamas or Barbados, actually. Fucking hell! Probably Bahamas. Yeah, they're they're pretty cool. We're a well travelled bunch, aren't we? <laughs> I was going to say we work in very different circles, don't we, Hodge to Gray? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Worldwide here, living his life in the Caribbean. <laughs> <Mr>. Worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really say that because my favourite ever holiday location is New Zealand, so which was uh, incredibly tough for someone who with a. 
a crippling fear of flying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was very, very tough. Like 25 hours plus on a fucking plane. White knuckle ride. <laughs> Literally is, man. I just sit there with my arms on the rest, just like, honestly, white knuckle. Would you like any food? No, fuck off. Leave me alone. <laughs> How long? Just... We've just left. <laughs> Shit. Wait, I literally sit there with the fucking plane tracker. I can't even concentrate on films and stuff. I sit there with the plane tracker on, just counting down the fucking minutes. <laughs> I think I'm almost like watching paint dry to make the trip go longer. Sick on a couple of films and you're, you're there in no time. But you know what? It was dead weird. Like, I flew into Auckland and where we're going to was a place called Hawke's Bay. So did that huge trip. I think we changed in Singapore, went to Auckland, and then as if I didn't think that was bad enough, had to then get a propeller plane flight from Auckland <laughs> to Hawke's Bay, which, you know what, actually wasn't too bad when you just sat on a fucking huge tin can for like 25 hours or whatever. <laughs> that was actually the easiest part. You see the guy winding the propeller up with a little elast- elastic band. <laughs> He's just started up with his hands. <laughs> but it was all worth it in the end. It's all worth it in the end. There you go then. Right, what are we talking about this week? Well, we're trying to get into some kind of routine now, aren't we? Two weeks since we last... Uh, released an episode. Quite a lot's gone on. I think we didn't have much to talk about last time, but this time we've got plenty. We've got pre-season drama. Let's just hype it up a little bit. It's not really actually been that much drama, but we've got pre-season drama, we've got trips, we've got new appointments, we've got outgoing transfers, we've got rumours, proper stuff to be getting on with. But I don't know, where do we want to start? How about you tell us about Austria? I'm looking forward to hearing this. All right, thanks for asking, Gray. I will tell you. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you all about stuff. Austria. <laughs> God, if I must, yeah, if I must. Well, yeah, it was a class little trip. I think I mentioned before we went away, myself and one of our other pals from Newcastle, Ali, so shout out Ali. We took the trip to Austria to go and watch Newcastle versus 1860 München in a rogue little town called Salfelden. Fantastic experience. Again, don't want to indulge too much, like, but probably one of those once-in-a-lifetime ones. Very fortunate and lucky to have been able to do it. It was incredibly expensive. So it's kind of one of those moments where you'd love to sit here and go, so I'd like to thank our sponsors, insert sponsor here, for sponsoring the trip and getting us there. But (laughs) (laughs) that's not quite the case yet. But uh, all out of our own pocket, a really tough one to get to because for anyone that doesn't know, which is everyone, Salfelden is this little town and like slap bang in the middle of the Austrian countryside in the mountains, really picturesque uh, location. I'm sure you've seen if you follow Newcastle on Twitter, You'll see all the pictures, but flying at Vienna, then a four-hour drive down to Salfelden. Unbelievable support from the Toon Army, as expected. We got into this little hotel we're staying at. Uh, the first person we see is Craig Hope from the Daily Mail, checking into the same hotel, which is pretty cool. Then get a few beers. Everyone walked up to the stadium. As I say, fantastic support. Before we get into a big shout-out to a few fans we met, a few travelling fans who I promised I would shout-out. So Ben, Colin, Tyler... Made the day fantastic. Yeah, I hope you all had a, had a great time. I mean, the game itself, did it really matter? There's just a bunch of Geordies there getting pissed while watching <laughs> football. First half was absolutely dire. Uh, nothing happened. ASM, really disappointing, I've got to say. Quite a lot of people will have watched it because I think they were streaming it on uh, YouTube or NUFC TV, which I wish I'd fucking known before I went to fucking Austria to watch it. <laughs> yeah, first half was absolutely shite, if I'm being honest. And then second half, he brought on Bruno, Joe Linton, Sean Longstaff, fully enough, and the game completely changed. So yeah, we ended up winning 3-0, which is fantastic. And then once that was all out of the way, we just carried on getting pissed. 
so yeah, fantastic experience all around. Would highly recommend. I doubt very much doubt will be going anywhere like Southeldon ever again. But my major disappointment with the trip was not actually having the chance to meet Big Adam P, Big Adam Pearson. I knew he was fucking there, but we didn't see him. All I wanted <laughs> was my selfie with Big Adam Pearson. Another slight downside is I was expecting if you travel all that way, go through all that fucking ball lake, you might have a chance to meet some of the players. And I guess you did afterwards if you hung around, like waiting for them to go from the changing room to get on the bus. But then I saw from the fucking Mainz game, which was like three days later, all the players coming over to the fans and taking loads of selfies with them on the pitch. <laughs> I was like, eh? What the fuck? What have we done wrong? They just need you in there, that's why. I think that must be what it is. They're just avoiding me. <laughs> Great to be able to play Spot the Will. Podgy kept sending me screenshots on NEFC TV. <laughs> like, is that you? Yes, I'm the only, I'm the only redhead there. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, great, great experience. They would highly recommend. The players look like they've had an absolute ball in Austria. Like, the go-karting, they've been cycling, they've been doing all sorts of stuff, man. They've had an absolute whale of a time. Honestly, that hotel they were staying in, you should see it, man. It's like something from a Bond film, like where a Bond villain would live. One of the lads I spoke about, Ben, was actually staying in the players' hotel, so, like, had a chance to speak to Eddie Howe, spoke to a few of the players, but unbelievable. Like, they were right up in the mountains, on the night out afterwards, spoke about Craig Hope before. We bumped into him again with Chris Woff from The Athletic as well. Mm-hmm. So literally had this like, don't know, half hour, hour long conversation, just around a few beers, just putting questions to him. He was really open, really happy to talk to fans. It was super interesting. So yeah, great, great experience, as I say. I just hope you plug the podcast to as many people as you could. Well, funny you should say that. Ali Fraser did a great job. We just stood there waiting around and that Colin lad I mentioned was... We just stood there and Ali was like, oh, you know, he does a podcast. I was like, oh, stop it, Ali. I'll give you a, I'll give you a fiver later on. <laughs> I was like, I'll stop, man. He's like, all right, which one? I was like, Talk of the Tomb. He's like, you're Will from Talk of the Tomb podcast. <laughs> My immediate reaction was to say, fuck off, you're taking the piss. <laughs> but no, actually bumped into a fair few people that listen to the podcast, which was obviously unbelievable. I think the thing is, quite a few of the, the lads out there weren't necessarily like traveling from England. They travel from like Switzerland or Germany or, you know, other European countries because it was easier for them to get to. Mm. So they need their their fix of NUFC. I was going to say gossip news, but really it's just shite patter, isn't it? Newcastle <laughs> shite patter, which is something we're, we're happy to indulge. Uh, so, so yeah, quite a few people there listening. I think it picked up a few followers and listeners as well while I was there. So, yes, I guess that leads us nicely on to pre-season chat. I mean... Let's start with Gray. I mean, Gray, overall, what are your thoughts on preseason results so far? We've had Gateshead, we've had 1860 München, and then obviously the latest match was Mainz. And we've got Benfica and a whole raft of other European teams coming up soon. But what are your thoughts on performances and results so far? This might turn into a little bit of a rant, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> they're, they're, they're preseason matches, and I think people need to remember that. There seems to be a lot of chat about how badly we've been performing in these preseason matches but actually the whole point of it is for players to get minutes into the belt and actually I think it's showed that we've looked threatening in these games we've created a lot of chances we've just not put the ball in the back of the net and I think we're quite unlucky uh, against mm. is it Mainz yeah could have had I think three goals as well but ended up losing that game but yeah it seems to be so much chat about how badly we've been playing in these preseason matches and I'm just like Come on, give the lads a break. They've just come off summer holiday. 
I know they're professional footballers and things like that, but the whole thing is about experimenting, learning. You've got a lot of new players in the squad. Yeah, give them a chance to bet in and it's it's a team game. It's going to be difficult to adapt and Eddie Howe will be implement more of his own style as well over the summer so there'll be new tactics on the go they'll be trying things out to see what works best so actually you've got to take these pre-season results with a pinch of salt because there'll be a lot going on behind the scenes which I don't think a lot of our fans realise at the moment so stop crying out for all these new players which I, I don't personally think we need. No it's right I was just gonna say on the flip side of that you say He's settling in now, but you know he's had half a season to do that. Obviously, did fantastically well. Really, I would argue that Mainz is the first opponent that we've come up against in preseason that's been any good. Eighteen sixty Munich in like the third German league, Gateshead, well down the doldrums. Mainz Bundesliga team, and we've lost to them. Is there not any reason there to be worried? No, because like you say, they're the first opponent who we've come up against who are half decent. Are they like? top half of the table in Bundesliga. We Yes, we lost to them, but you don't know how their pre-seasons be going. You don't know exactly what's going on in their camp. I don't know a lot about them. They may have a more established manager, more established players. And You say Eddie Howe has been settled, but he picked up a team halfway through a season. So actually, he's got to work with what he's got. They'll probably make minor changes to formations because the players have been used to playing those, although there's a lot of questions around how tactically aware Mr. Bruce was. Obviously, Eddie Howe has had his chance to imprint some of his own style, but actually this is his first summer, his first preseason to actually get the team doing what he wants them to do. It already looks like they're doing a, a lot more fitness, nowhere near the, the level of fitness Spurs are doing with Conte. Oh yeah, he's running them into the ground. <laughs> it looks like he's yeah ruining them. He broke it then. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Eddie Howe's first season, so go on, give him, give him some chance. And actually, I think the, the big challenge coming up against Benfica is we, we've played Benfica Relatively recently, well, it's probably about seven years ago now, under Pardew, it's <laughs> Pardew. So, so actually, it'd be, it'd be a good challenge, I think, against the, the Portuguese side. It'd be interesting to see if there are any improvements and actually tactics and things will start to settle down. Hodge, I mean, we'll bring you in. So that's looking back, looking forward now. We've got Benfica, Atalanta and Athletic Bilbao coming up. How are you feeling? I mean, are you confident ahead of those games? Do you give a shit? <laughs> uh, I think well, definitely our biggest our biggest test and our most important test is is the games that we've got coming up at St James's over that kind of two or three day spell. They're the ones that I'm more worried about. I think right now, like it's it's fine to have a loss and, and not play too well because it's it's part of a little bit of an experimentation at the minute of what Eddie Howe wants to see and want to try and do. And to do it now is great, but I think to try and get some sort of little bit of a run into the Premier League, I definitely think those last two games are relatively important. I wouldn't say Benfica is super important. It would be good to have a good test and I think it'll give them a bit of a wake-up call. But it depends what they do. Do they play youngsters as well? Do they trial stuff? Do they Are they taking it as seriously as everyone else would kind of wants to do in terms of Benfica? I don't know. So that game for me, like I said, don't matter. But the other, the other two I think are way more important. I don't know about what you guys think about those as well. But for me, that's why I would want to see a win or a good display. Yeah, I guess you want to start the season off on a positive footing, don't you? Especially in front of your own fans. Are there the home friendlies sold out or is there still tickets going? So they they had 25,000 first release and then they sold out like in, in minutes and they went, oh, should we put another 10,000 on? Put another 10,000 tickets on? Then they, they went, went. Minutes, So they're like, shit, do we need to sell like a full stadium? Can, or you can, imagine? We sell, can we sell a full stadium for pre-season? Which is mental. But even, even War Flags are going to do um, like a display 
uh, friendlies. Oh, really? There's, what club does that? What club potentially no could club. fill out 100% of your stadium and put on a show? That's mad, isn't it? Support is unmatched, honestly. Support is unmatched. I mean, I'm quite intrigued by Atalanta and Athletic Club because we're playing them one day after under there. So we've got yep. Atalanta on the Friday and then Athletic Club on the Saturday. Does that mean we're just going to have to play two completely different teams? That's I think really we'll play be... two squads, yeah. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I was sure going to say, it's that. a real test of our squad depth, especially after dropping loads of or releasing loads of the young kids. I mean, I know we've brought in an influx and given a load of kids like their new contracts, but that's going to be a real test. Mm. Um, and I worry a little bit that the first game of the season's a fucking week later mm. against Notts Forest. I don't know. I just worry a little bit. You know, these guys know what the fuck they're doing, don't they? It's just annoying that the World Cup's turned up, isn't it? Like, that's what's bumped everything just forward. Otherwise, you would have. Everything. Yeah, yeah. You see it quite often in pre seasons, though, where teams play back to back fixtures sort of like on kind of consecutive days. It's, you see things like these um, mini trophies and things like that where, where teams do play it's like three games in four days. So it's not unheard of in pre-season. Is that what Brighton are doing at the minute? Like, I know there's like Everton or someone are out like in the US or Australia doing something like that at the minute, aren't they? Yes, I think Chelsea are in America doing something similar as well, aren't they? Chelsea got slapped around by a fucking ML- new MLS team, didn't they? Did they? Yeah. <laughs> this is what I mean, man. Like, is preseason just a fucking sham? Like, do we need to be worried about it? I don't know. The real test of time is going to be that first first game against Knott's Forest. It just seems like the things like in the US and stuff and, and where people go far flung, some people go to Australia, it's just a bit of a networking thing for the club. I think it's just to get oh, yeah. more fans and stuff. like Revenue driving, isn't exa- it? Exactly. We'll get to that point where a brand is big enough and we'll, we'll do it in the future. But I think what they're trying to do right now is just get our team to that point before we need to go and, and look at that kind of option. Well, they already tested the waters with that hot weather training in Saudi Arabia, didn't they? Mm. That's, I imagine, I imagine that's probably where we're going to be fucking going. It's not like... Uh, I don't know if there's any countries out in the Middle East that might be set up for football tournaments or might have Guitar. built any new stadiums. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, read between the lines, yeah. Yeah, so let's see how we get on against Benfica and then we'll try... Our ambition should be to, to record a podcast before the Knott's Forest game, which will be a really interesting one given the amount of money they've fucking spent so far. Right, so that just about wraps it up on pre-season. I mean, mixed bag so far. Let's see how we get on in our next three games ahead of Knott's Forest. Should be an interesting one. Let's hope we can get some good morale-boosting victories under our belts. On to appointments. We mentioned it a bit earlier. I mean, quite an interesting one. Came completely out of the blue. Darren Eels, who no one had really ever heard of. Well, I don't know if I can speak for everyone, but I certainly hadn't fucking heard of him. But Darren Eels has become our new chief executive officer, CEO, for anyone who, who knows the jargon and the lingo. He's become our chief exec, joining us Atlanta in the MLS. Big pals with, with Miggy. I think Miggy's recruited him. An interesting one. I think, Hodge, you were saying beforehand, obviously worked with Dan Ashworth previously at West Brom. He's spent time at Spurs working with Daniel Levy. I think he was he was a director at Spurs for quite a long time and, yep. and has gone on to do great things at Atlanta. I don't know if you want to, I know you were listening to a podcast the other day, but I don't know if you want to give us a quick overview of the, the Jaron Eels appointment and what, what he can bring and what he's done in the past. Yeah, uh, I think what the the podcast I was listening to, I think that what they were saying is that he is the right fit for the job in terms of what the PIF want as well. They've not just gone and got somebody and been like, oh, on paper, in terms of what he brings is great. It's it's more of the feel of the, the personality of the person as well. He's in that mindset of is massively 
in love with football. He has been for years. He's always done football jobs. He's never really stepped outside of that. He built up uh, Atlanta from basically ground zero to what it is now. Masterminded their move to the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which I think they're getting like really, really good numbers. I think in terms of world football, in terms of percentage of sellouts, they're in the top five or top ten or something in the whole world when they move wow. around the stadium for like the seats because the whole stadium's it can be moved for like American football and whatever other sports being played there. Uh, and it's mm. going to be part of the uh, World Cup that's going to be going to Canada, America and Mexico. Yeah, oh, really? So they, like they've, they've really set themselves up. He is the kind of mastermind of that. He's been, like I say, from day dot, a man of the people running the club as the first kind of point of contact for things as well. Like I say, he's been brought in because of not just because of what he's done in football and where he can kind of take us and go. It's the personality that, that matches and that's what they were banging on about and I think that's a good way that we are looking at doing business now. It's not just a name who comes through the door. It's making the club more accessible and making sure that everyone works together. Like I say, he's worked with Dan Ashworth before a while ago, but I'm sure there'll be good professionalism between the both of them to bring stuff in and work together. So I think it's a really good appointment and how we've gone about it and just gone and done it and not spread any news or any word I think is a way that we're going to be going on from now on. I think the club is going to be a bit more kind of focused on things rather than... I know all the transfer rumours and stuff that go about aren't necessarily the club's leaked fault. It's just people making up things. But I think from now on, I don't think we'll hear anything about much transfers that will be literally, like I say, waiting for that yellow box to come up on Sky Sports. Looking at what he's done in the past and how he builds football clubs and how he works them, because he was part of like the kind of rebuild at Spurs, kind of spearheaded with other people, their move to their new stadium... So he's obviously a very forward-thinking person. I think that's what we need at the club at the minute, as well as obviously Dan Ashworth and everyone else. I think it's just a good core and he, he adds to that. Yeah, he seems like a proper boss man of football, doesn't he, Gray? I mean, what are, you, what are your thoughts on Darren Eels? Seriously, yourself, I'd never heard of the bloke before it hit Sky Sports or wherever I read it. But actually, just some of the points Hodge mentioned there are really, really interesting. Mm. Things about how Atlanta are like top 10 of sellouts which is just an incredible start. And if he's kind of masterminded their move to a bigger stadium, mm. quite an achievement. In the US as well. Fair, especially especially in the US, yeah, where football, soccer, it's seen as a... You wash your mouth out with fucking soap. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mention the S word on this fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. But also, I think, and if he was involved with the stadium redesign at Spurs and things like that, it's actually probably really exciting news for Newcastle fans mm. because there's already a lot of talk about the PIF wanting to extend St. James's. Mm. And also this ties in with a lot of what I've been reading around season tickets. I mean, I'm still bitter that I didn't get one. But if you look into the history of season tickets over the last couple of years, over 10,000 people gave away their season tickets under Mike Ashley in the last couple of years. Yet the Newcastle only released an additional thousand seats, season tickets mm. to fans. So that means that there's there's a deficit of nine thousand somewhere. Are those ten thousand not picked up by other people? No. So they only offered renewals to people who currently had season tickets, right? Or and then released an additional thousand for fans who had either bought tickets before or have previously had season tickets. Quick point, what's the current split of season tickets versus tickets on the day? I mean, you've obviously got to take away 3,000 straight away for the away fans. That's 49,000 tickets for Toon fans. What's the split of season tickets versus everything else? Good question. I think that there's actually a very low number of tickets you have to put on general sale. I think it's something like 
five, ten percent. And I think that includes the away fans as well. Right. In theory, you could almost sell out a stadium with just season ticket holders. Right. Yeah. I mean, don't take my word for that, but I, was def- I read somewhere that it was actually you could sell an incredibly high percentage of season tickets to your capacity. I always thought it was around 35,000 we didn't season tickets, but I don't know if that's wrong or whatever. Um, but sorry, that was just a, just a side point. I'm just keen to know what that figure actually is. It's 30,000, I think. Is it? So you've got 19,000 tickets there, what, for general sale? Yeah, I think what they did as well with this extra thousand is... You could only buy one. Well, the majority of people yeah, you never go to the fucking the tune game on your Todd deer. Like, yeah. what's the fucking point? <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? it? Does make sense to have one ticket, but like you say, you tend to go and you want to sit next to your mates. Yeah, of course. You, so. Unless you're you, Gray, where you don't have any pals. <laughs> Cheers. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, back back to my point. So, so what I've heard is that actually that those nine thousand season tickets are being reserved to move season ticket holders out of the Gallagher, potentially halfway through this season for them to begin work extending the Gallagher. Mm. And I think that ties in really nicely with this appointment. Would you not want to do it in the off-season? It seems silly to do it midway through, because how long is work going to take? Well, you'd want it to be ready for the start of the next season, don't you, or something like that. So you look at Spurs, Spurs started developing their ground and then started to tear down White Hart Lane halfway through a season. They played in White Hart Lane like Arsenal did with Highbury until the stadium was ready. Like West Ham and like Olympic Stadium. No, because Spurs moved to Wembley for a season. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app, at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Oh, fuck, they did, didn't they? Yeah, good point. Yeah, because their new stadium was being built on the corner of White Hart Lane, and they built all the foundations, things like that, and then halfway through the season, they started to tear down White Hart Lane while they still played there the last three weeks or so. It's all right, we'll just move to Gateshead Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Hodge, did you have a point on this? Yeah, I think it was a while back, but I'll just kind of pick up on another thing. They're, I think that what they're doing is moving seats in the away end, and they're going to be putting safe standing as well. Oh, they are. They're as going well. to be yeah, bringing yes. bringing that kind of thing back. So, I mean, there's there's all change, and and if they can manage to extend, it probably will be the Gallagher that will be being extended. But apparently, there's been a bit of a setback because whoever's bought the old car park for the metro station, they're planning on building quite a big office block, which will limit... That was stopped. Completely. Yeah, so Mike Ashley sold that land. But as part of the deal to buy Newcastle United, the PIF bought that bit of land as well off whoever bought it, which is why... They were starting all the work there, and you saw there's like tons of breeze blocks and massive concrete slabs, and they're yeah. like ready to go. But actually, all that work stopped because the PIF bought that land off whoever had it because it was going to be a hotel. They need to use that land in order to extend St. James's. I wonder who on the ownership team of Newcastle United might have a vested interest in property or land around St. James's Park. Jamie Rubin. <laughs> <laughs> 
the Rubin brothers, man, I just own most of Newcastle, like Northumberland Street, fucking developing. They're doing a great job, like, but mm. I worry a little bit, like, they're just going to completely choke the strawberry off. I mean, the strawberry will never move, but they're just choking it off with all these plants. Like, but anyway, sorry, back to Darren Eels, bit of focus. So I'm just reading here, like, in The Independent, he's got three key tasks. They're going to be boosting the club's commercial income, which we've talked about which it seems like he's very good at, especially coming from the US where they just live on commercial income <laughs> about selling shit. Uh, he's going to be overseeing the major new training ground project and also improving fan engagement. So all things that are probably music to our ears as Newcastle United fans. You know the fans are well up for it. It's how you bridge that gap between the, the club and the fan base, which I think the current ownerships are Murdad, Amanda Stavely, Jamie Rubin. They've done a fantastic job so far, but you probably need to like bring that in a bit tighter and understand how you can do that in an efficient way, in a way that's going to be sustainable moving forward. Obviously, all roles that he seems to have extensive experience in doing great that he's got that link up with dan ashworth they both did an amazing job at west brom i'm just reading here as well like atlanta now bring in crowds of in excess of seventy thousand. unbelievable mate fantastic yeah fantastic so great appointment we're actually becoming a proper football club now aren't we you can tell you've got all the big six kind of watching over their shoulders now well who says there's even going to be a big six now might be us fingers crossed so that's great. That's great news. Um, so that's pre-season we've talked about. That's Darren Eel's appointment we've talked about. Quite a bit moving on the transfer front since we last spoke to you, of course. Um, predominantly, or pretty much all outgoings. So we've managed to ship a few of the senior team players out. Admittedly, most of them on loan. So Jeff Hendrick has officially gone. He's gone on loan to Reading, as we talked about. Kieran Clark has officially gone to Sheffield United on loan for the season, as we talked about. They join Isaac Hayden, who obviously went to Norwich City. Dan Langley has gone to Gateshead on loan for the season. And the most recent ones, I think it was announced yesterday or the day before, but Dwight Gale has gone on a free transfer to Stoke City. Obviously, a great servant for the club when we've been in the championship, but never quite found his form in the premiership. He never took that step up. He seems like a, a championship superstar, so I bet Stoke City fans are rubbing their hands in glee. But it's just another wage off the wage bill, isn't it, Gray? Yeah, and I think it's good for, for Gail as well to actually get out there, play regular football. And like you say, he's he's a proven goal scorer, so actually it'll be interesting to see how, how Stoke get on this year. Not that I'll be watching closely, to be fair, but... Um... <laughs> <laughs> Those rainy nights in Stoke, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, Hodge, I mean... Good to see some movement. I mean, I think we probably would have preferred a lot of these players to go out, you know, like the, the Kieran Clarks and the Jeff Hendricks to go out on permanent transfers. But I think it's probably a case of just running down their contracts so we can get rid of them on fees, knowing that we won't be able to command a, a fee for them. I mean, I think Dwight Gale still had time on his contract. So I don't know whether we've just paid it out or whether Stoke have paid it out or what the crack is there. But I mean, what are your thoughts on business so far? I mean, yeah, they're, they're obviously being very clever about it. And what Jeff Hendricks on like 40 grand a week. So obviously he's not going to want to give up that to move yeah. the club to not make as much money. And I, at the same time, like, yeah, I would probably want to do the same thing and guarantee me, me retirement fund. But at the same time, I think what we need to do is really mm-hmm. focus on just binning people off the wage. Because yes, we've got money in the transfers and whatnot, but it comes down to like wages of these bigger players that we're going to be getting in. Or if we're going to entice people in, it's not just appeasing the club that we're going to be buying from in terms of value but it's also the players are going to go want well you've paid this much money for me I want 
my money's worth to to reflect in my contract. So having them getting rid of, of the wage bill will be good. But like you say, it's it's just a tough one with them going away. And we will be paying, say, like 50% of Hendrick's wage or whatever. It's just annoying. I think, is it is it going to be worth us paying out them contract? I, I, I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs and how much it'll cost, but it's just a bit annoying on our front. I think that, that we're still going to be forking out for these guys. But I think just to get them away from the club as well and, and focus on what, we have at hand and the players that we got and the players that we want to take forward is obviously important as well so yeah. any way of them just leaving and, and not being part of it potentially turning into like kind of bad eggs and stuff it's worth it yeah they've served their purpose haven't they they've done their jobs when needed now it's time to move on I mean just look you can never believe these fucking websites and stuff that tells you their wages but if, if they are to be believed I'm just looking here like Kieran Clark was on 35 grand a week Jeff Hendrick 40 grand a week and Dwight Gale on 40 grand a week so I mean that's 110 grand a week that's off the wage bill that potentially clears up or, or makes room for another player to come in if we dip our hands in our pockets and, and bring someone in. Which brings me nicely <laughs> onto the next section, which is we talked about it last time, areas in which we still need to improve. There's been no kind of movement on that front. It looks by all intents and purposes. Musa Diaby is committed, is his future, or at least the short-term future, to Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, Hugo Ekatike, the little rat, has gone to... Uh, he is a little rat, isn't he? And his rat agent as well. Money-grabbing bastard. He's signed officially for PSG, which is, I think, probably what he was angling for throughout this transfer market. And I think even the fucking the president or the, the owner of REMS, which is where he was playing beforehand, has come out and said, yeah, PSG... Um, offered us less but you know we wanted to let Hugo live his dream it's like oh fuck off you dipshit <laughs> you know for all these bloody French presidents and French owners that play hardball and do this and that obviously the players got the ultimate choice or you know and all the club can do is accept the fee but you know Hugo Ekatike is ultimately fucked over the club that gave him his first break by taking that offer that was much or much less than, than our offer but is he the kind of player who really wanted at the club in hindsight, probably not. It means we can move on to bigger and better things and he'll just go and warm the bench at fucking PSG. Probably be shipped out on loan, probably. <laughs> yeah, probably to Newcastle United. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine the fucking reception he'd get? It would be quite frosty, I think. Frosty. Yeah. Mm. Um, Anyway, so yes, I mean, a bit of bad news on the DRB front. I think a lot of fans were really willing that one to happen, but you can't really ever believe how far along that was. I think the rumours were that, you know, we'd we'd inquired, but been put off by the 60 million euro fee that was being touted. Gray, I think you were mentioning beforehand that the attention is maybe turning to, to Jack Harrison at Leeds. Uh, I don't know if you want to go into that in a bit more detail. Yeah, he seems to be the current name, which seems to be going, kind of gathering a little bit of momentum. But it's it's like you say. I think it's all just a like agent talk or things being leaked to the press, and I'm not too sure the situation at Leeds. But Leeds seems to be shipping out a lot of players at the moment. Mm. And Jack Harrison is probably one of the first names on the team sheet there. He's he's a solid player. He's he's hardworking. He leaves everything out on the pitch. And yeah, so a little bit surprised that Leeds want rid unless he wants out. But then it's. Where would he fit into our side? He's, he's a winger, isn't he? Kind of attacking wide midfielder. So does he not go on that right hand side? Yeah, I think so. So it'd be like to strengthen that. But then, what happens to to Midian Murphy? Squad depth. Right. There's a lot of talk of ASM moving over to the right hand side as well to, to free up a bit of space there. But it's yeah, I, I don't know. I think he's he's a good player. He would be 
a very welcome addition to to the squad. And like you say, for squad depth, if we do get a cut credit or something like that, it's important to have these players who can come in and run their socks off and actually not... He's certainly not a, a backward step. He's going to complement the team well if we do sign him. But I would say we really need to focus on getting another striker in, like another number nine to, to back up Wilson. I know we've got Wood, but... Way. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we. I, for me, we need we need another twenty goal a season striker. Oof. I mean, if Wilson stays fit, he's going to get us twenty twenty five goals. Would if he if he finds his goal scoring form again, does have a good return. But we need someone of a similar ilk to to Wilson who likes to run off the shoulder and threaten the goals. A couple of points to pick up on there, Hodge. I'll bring you into this as well. If we go back to Jack Harrison, so that typical saying, he's a player that Eddie Howe likes. He's worked under Bielsa, so we know he's going to run himself into the fucking ground. He's got that work ethic. Very skilled player. I think maybe I think can operate on the right, but is left-footed, so would cut in. Just reading loads of rumour shite here. Lodged a bid between 18 and 25 million, which was quickly rejected. Jesse March doesn't want to lose him. They've obviously lost Rafinha and Calvin Phillips this year for big money. I mean, it's not like they're going to be I think they've also done some good business leads. They've brought in some good players um, from Jesse March's old team, but also a couple of young American lads as well. So it's not like they're not doing business. I feel like they could replace him quite easily, but we're being knocked back at 18 to 25 million for Harrison. Does this just kind of show or highlight that we're really, really struggling now to, to fill that position? It's such a hard thing because, like, yes, you've got to trust in their process, and yes, they're being cautious and careful and they're making the right decisions about like not rushing into anyone. But at the same time, it's slightly frustrating that we haven't got to the point where it's like, look, deal done. We've done all the business. We're not going to do any more. Like, it, it would be good but I mean our top targets have just been knocked back through potentially greed on other people's parts where they go well we just want that extra 15 million out of Newcastle because they probably can afford it you know what I mean look we're linked with like Skamaka but now he's looking like he's going to be completing a move to West Ham West Ham are building their team really well but they're managing to do it like us but with a lot more kind of speed and a bit more decisiveness so I'm not by any means jumping the gun and being like, look, this is ridiculous, bro. Like, so I've heard some people being like, why have I not signed fucking 10 mm. players already? That's not my kind of problem. My kind of problem is, look, we're going to someone and going, this is who we want. How do we make it happen as, as quick as we can? I don't know if Jack Harrison's our answer, neither. I just don't. Th- I just think we need to be a bit more on the ball and, and go for it, really. Like, I think a, a big marquee, like signing like Diaby, I'm sure they could have done something where they were like, say, 50 million up front, money makes every 10 10 appearances or 20 appearances he makes, he has an extra two and a half mil or two mil or something. That could have been something that works out. Typical as Newcastle fans, like we're going to get frustrated, aren't we? Like, because you just want everything to happen Mm. all the time. You have to trust in the process, trust they're going to do the right thing. They're obviously, they're not fucking stupid, the ownership team. I mean, we've got Dan Ashworth in now to really drive it forward. We've got Darren Eels to support him. I mean, we're not going to be messed around, which I think is what we're we're showing. But you've got the other side, which is just like, go and spend some fucking money. Like we need... That would be like the cherry on top, a marquee signing. Not saying Jack Harrison would be the marquee signing. I mean, someone like Diaby would be the the marquee signing, like a 50 million plus go and break the record, you know, transfer record and get someone that's going to be an absolute superstar and ready made for the league. But I think options are a little on the light side at the minute, unless you're looking at young kids. So, Gray, before I move on, did you have a, a final point on that? Yeah, I, I just think... It's, it's all nice having all this money and you can see fans getting really impatient and saying, oh, we need to spend money, we need to spend money. But we have actually added some very, some quality to the squad. Uh, we've got Pope and Botman come in. Under Howard last year, we were third in the table, if you look at his record yeah. um, in the time that he was there. So 
actually we we've got a very competitive squad competing against some very good teams in the league. So you know what? There's what there's been a huge amount of change over the last twelve months of the club. And clearly the the club are focusing on trying to get Darren Hills in. Uh, it's probably is a bit of a priority. So Maybe that's why things have gone a little bit quiet on the transfer front. I think we just need to give the team a chance to see actually where we are. And actually, if we say we do need to invest, then yeah, let's do it in January where, yes, price may be inflated, but you know what we've got? Well, apparently we've got deep pockets, so we uh, should be able to afford anything we need. As long as we're playing within FFP, of course. I mean, I look at the squad now, I mean, leaps and bounds versus even two years ago, man, like goalkeepers, you've got two international goalkeepers in Pope and Dubravka, then you've got Carl Darlow still hanging around, you've got a world-class defence in some places, Kieran Trippier, you've got Sven Botman, I just can't believe we're saying these things, Dan Burns, obviously fantastic, Matty Target, then looking forward to that, you've got Bruno, Joe Linton, ASM, like Ryan Fraser on his day, according to Gray's world-class um, you've got a great fucking team. It just seems like the one chink in the armour is up front because, yes, Callum Wilson is fantastic, but he's unreliable. Not unreliable in terms of his performance, but he's unreliable. <laughs> yeah, in terms of his, as Hodge would say, being made of Tic Tacs. So, yeah, I'm, I think, as I say, that would be the cherry on top. We'll just need to bring probably a striker. I mean, we're, look, we're linked with our Armando Broja from Chelsea is like a loan, but it sounds like Chelsea don't want to do a loan. If they're going to get rid of him, it's going to be a permanent. It's going to be 30 million quid plus which in this day and age for today's money doesn't seem that bad. I mean, I'm not I'm not the one fucking paying for it, so I can say that. Yeah, so a name that we've been linked with quite recently, and it seems to have some flesh on the bones, is Benjamin Sesco, whose name, I've, as I say, I've probably butchered, but he's a 19-year-old forward, so I think similar to like Hugo Ekatike, can play up front, but also operate out wide. He's a Slovenian lad, but he plays for Red Bull Salzburg in Austria. And I think people have gone a little bit mad because, as usual, you've had the NUFC plane trackers, people tracking planes from Salzburg into Newcastle private jets. But also, his agent was seen posting down at the quayside on Instagram, which hopefully is a big giveaway. But if you look at someone like Hugo Ekatike, he seems to fit that kind of mold. He's had a good preseason and he looks kind of like the kind of player. You can kind of see the kind of player that we're going for now if he's quite similar to Ekatike. I want to stop saying his name now because it just makes me feel ill. But, I mean, no one really knows. I can. I think I can speak for all of us in saying that we don't know much about Benjamin Sesco, even though we're even saying his name correctly. But would <laughs> would that fill a need? Would that fill a gap? Like a younger player that's you know can play up front, can be an understudy, and can operate in multiple positions? Hodge, do you think that's the kind of player that we need? Or I would much rather prefer someone who is proven at this point. I think we need confidence and not relying on potentially a bit of luck I mean it yes it's good for the long run if it does pay off like fantastic but I just think for right now for where we want to be kind of finishing this year which is I would say top 10 is definitely where we want to be I just think we need somebody who who is guaranteed to be putting in 15 a minimum 15 goals a season yeah great what do you think I, I kind of feel current squads we would finish top half of the table probably Pushing like top six. Oh, hello. Uh, I mean, just going off form and stats from last season. But I kind of feel like there is certainly something in it. Like you say, his, his agent was has been posting on social media. There was even him and taking a photo in customs in Newcastle Airport with like two two wide eyes and things like that. So obviously, the agent or the player. The agent. Oh right, I was going to say, but that would be a huge giveaway if it was a fucking player being packed <laughs> in the airport. 
Yeah, I think you say something that, and he, he, like you say, he seems to fit the mold of the, the type of player we're wanting to bring in. And there's clearly some method or yeah, some some reason for that. And I think, yeah, building for the future is certainly one of them. Uh, Hodge, do you have a point? This top 10 kind of thing that we're, that we're wanting, I think this season is going to be a lot harder. I think West Ham, mm. like I say before, they're, they've built quite well. They've like done done some business in the market, which looks like strong business. I don't think Leicester are going to be as shit as they were last year. Spurs are obviously really building and looking to go from strength to strength with Conte. There's, there's a couple of teams in that area where we want to be that have done their even kind of work now. Yeah, like it, there's a couple of teams Palace. that are just going to be making it harder for us this year. I would rather us look at solidifying now and then looking to grow in the next transfer window rather than but the other way around. Have we not done that by bringing in Botman? And- yeah, yeah, oh no, the tense like thing. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Like Pope, I think is a great signing, and we've we've talked about that. I just think we need someone to score goals because I know Chris Wood's been at the club and he's had a different role, but at the same time he's been given opportunities to finish mm. and he's just not done it. And I hope that changes. Like I really do for his sake and our sake. But I just want someone to come in and be like guaranteed 15 goals get in that's relieved pressure off wood off everyone else i think for us to have wood as a fa cup starter or a league cup starter and have it as a backup to two good strikers callum wilson and someone else is the play and give him time in games there just needs to be someone solid in that you know is going to get goals that's that's my only gripe at the minute and i think what the other teams that are around us and where we are looking to finish and where they're looking to finish that's what they've done now. They've like really suddenly bought some players in and that like are, are going to perform. Yeah, man. You, as you say, you look at the some of the signings around the league now, man. Like Arsenal bringing in Gabriel Jesus for like 45 million quid. Like he's yeah. already slapping in goals. You've got fucking Aston Villa have brought in like loads of players. It's looking quite scary, but it's looking, well, the only teams that are probably going to go straight down are like, Bournemouth, we've brought in like two free signings from Blackburn and West Ham, but Brentford moving mad. You've got Brighton moving mad, but even though they've, they've kind of weakened their squad, yeah, it's going to be a lot more competitive uh, this year. I mm. think certainly laughing at Everton. I'm just going through all the. You see Dali Ali's miss, by the way, just when oh, you talk about yeah. laugh at Everton. Oh, honestly. Missed an open goal from like literally a yard. <laughs> that sounds very familiar, doesn't it, Will? <laughs> Hey man, I've been banging goals at the minute in five-a-side, I'll have you know. In our latest five-a-side game, I've never seen this before in my life. The five-six game, there were four sin bins for fighting. What? Yeah. <laughs> Love I that. I was one of the fighters, don't worry. You were the one in the corner just going, go on then, hit him, I bet you don't. <laughs> I was like, did you hear what he called your mum? <laughs> <laughs> but like, even, I mean, Knott's Forest. Fucking unbelievable the amount of money they've spent. It's like, that's 60 million quid just on confirmed signings, and they've got loads of undisclosed. You've got Haaland in the league now. You've got Darwin Nunez in the league. Yeah, scary league now. Got Man United. Mm. No, no. <laughs> Sorry, I nearly mentioned Man United there. They're still shit. <laughs> Although Ten Hag's going to whip them into shape, isn't he? They had, they had a Liverpool so. the other day, didn't they? They did, yeah. Oh, fuck. Anyway, it's going to be an interesting one. Obviously, it's all just talk on paper at the minute. You've got to wait until these players actually start playing um, and how they play together. When you bring in a brand new team like Leeds and Knott's Forest, for instance, are doing, you've got to rely on them to actually bond and, and gel and play well together. That's enough about other teams. We don't give a shit about other teams. So, I mean, that kind of wraps us up now. I don't think there's anything else we want to talk about, but that's pre-season, that's Darren Eels, um, a load of other shite we've talked about. It's quite extensive, really. I just, as I say, I think the overarching messages would just love to see someone come in in that forward line to boost it up, give us a bit of depth, um, so we're not relying on the same players that we that we have been for the last four or five years now. A bit of an upgrade needed, I feel. 
Mm. Was there anything else from you, lads? No, I think that's good. That's it for me, I think. Good, fucking hell. It's going to be a good one to edit. It's going to take me quite a lot of (laughs) time. Yeah, thanks very much. But yeah, that wraps it up this week. Thanks very much for joining us. We were supposed to do this earlier in the podcast, but we were just too busy talking shite. You can find us on all major podcasting platforms like Acast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, loads of others. We're not hard to find, so please go and give us a listen and give us a follow. If you're feeling so kind, you can give us a five-star rating or review. You can find us on socials, so on Twitter at TOTT Podcast, uh, on Facebook by searching for Talk of the Tune Podcast, or on Instagram at TOTT underscore podcast. So yes, go and give us a follow, drop us a like, do whatever the fuck you want to. We don't really mind. But that wraps us up for this week. Thanks very much for joining, and we will see you in the next one. Bye. 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 Auf Wiedersehen. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.